0: This is the Relevant Life Church podcast where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word.
1: We actually have Pastor Larry Tomlinson preaching today, uh, and he's going to crush it, but I just want to um, open up why that's happening. I was supposed to be preaching today, um, and if some of you saw on social media, um, Pastor Rhonda, also my mother, found out this week she does officially have ovarian cancer. Um, and so that was just a heavy weight to fall on our family. And I woke up Thursday emotionally after a long couple days. Had a speaking engagement in Florence on Wednesday night. And I was like, dude, I don't know if I'm in the emotional frame of mind to get up here and talk to people about Jesus. I don't know what's going to come out. So in seeking wise counsel um, and then also Larry's generous offer. Um, actually, he was asked, but then he offered. So anyway, he was very generous. So Larry's going to stand up today and preach God's word, and I just want to say thank you and honor him in front of all of you, because that's a big deal. Hearing on Thursday morning, hey, can you preach, and pulling together a message, and I believe God's going to move. And then with that, would you just also be praying for Pastor Rhonda? Um, In no way is this a death sentence, in no way is this um, a negative thing in the sense of that this is looking like a negative outcome. But it is heavy on our weight, recognizing she's gonna be walking through chemo. Um, and just as a family, we regrouped this week and actually sat down and were able to process this together. So thank you guys for being willing to like, not let me, make me step in and preach today. Not that you had a choice, but you know. Anyway, so give it up for Larry Tolson today. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Trenton. No, being asked on Thursday to preach today isn't bothering me a at all. I'm really good. I really prepared a lot. Oh wow! Yeah, I was gonna say start off that I was anxious about what I was gonna do just because of the, you know, concentrated time frame. But then Pastor Ali got up here and gave my message in just two sentences. The, was, the last song was my message all over again, so <laughs> <laughs> you guys got it. Let's go out and enjoy the sunshine. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious because of, of that. And it's been three years since I've been in the pulpit, but God is good. I, yes. he, he'll take care of us, right? Yes. I'm going to preach the Word of God. The Spirit of God is here. That's right. You're going to hear from him. And he always does things way better than I could do it anyway. So why should I try to be better than God? Another reason I'm anxious, though, is that, uh, man, following Pastor Kevin and Pastor Trenton and Sasser and the preaching team here, you guys get meat every week, and you should appreciate that. Uh, You should appreciate that. I've done this for 40 years, and I've been an associate pastor, and I've been a lead pastor. I've planted churches. I've done all that stuff, and I can tell you there's... um, that it's really hard to, to uh, follow someone who has always given you meat and always following the Spirit of God. And, and so I just pray that I really shrink even smaller, well, compared to Pastor Kevin and Trenton, <laughs> that I really shrink and that God really shows up. And uh, I told Pastor Kevin, this, I feel kind of like, you know, I'm not trying to fill his shoes. His shoes are like a canoe to me. <laughs> you know? So I'm just going to do my thing. Those of you who are out there in online land, uh, I have a tendency to wander. And if the camera doesn't catch me, it's not the camera's fault, okay? <laughs> I'm anxious about that, too. I'm, I'm a wandering preacher. You, you ever meet one of those? It's over here and over there. The secret behind that is we're always thinking and wondering what we're going to say. So we've got to walk to get it. Finally, there's another reason I'm anxious. We called our children and said, Dad's preaching. Pray for him. The response from Tammy, the response from Dane was, we'll pray for you, but don't you dare tell any stories about us. And my response back is, then what do I preach about? So I'll do my best. I'll see if I can get it together. Actually, these anxieties and and this sort of nervousness, I just want to get that out early, right? It's nothing compared to what some of you are walking through or what I've walked through in the past. Some of you have come in here and you've got a mom that's been diagnosed with cancer. Some of you are wondering how you're going to pay the bills. Some of you are wondering if this chronic illness is ever going to go away. Some of you are wondering if this relationship could ever be made well, should you stay in it or get out of it. There's things that we all face that are very difficult for us, and our anxiety is always always there. The stress of it is always there. We're always praying. We're always looking for God to do something for us because we need him so badly. And uh, I'd just like to address that today. Uh, I'm preaching to myself today because I, I've seen my family, all my, my wife, my children, be in critical health situations, absolutely critical health situations, I've been where there's not enough money at the end of the month. When we moved down from Olympia to a sweet home, we had a house that hadn't sold. Remember 2008? Not fondly, financially. We lost all of our equity, but we were making a house payment on a house we weren't living in, and we were renting. And I was being paid the grand total of $1,200 a month to preach. That was a house payment, basically. I know... I'm preaching to you from hard experience, but I know that you've lived hard experiences too. And that you, online, streaming, you here in this room, this isn't just about little bits of anxiety. This is about life and what it's really like to live in a world that's affected by sin. That's right. right? So I want to share with you some today from uh, Joshua chapter 3. But uh, before I do that, I just want to say, in the face of what I just said... I have great news for you. Fantastic news. The Lord himself knows about these problems and crises and the anxiety and stresses they create. He knows. You're not, when you pray, you're not telling God something he doesn't know. You're not surprising. <gasps> God is never shocked. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, no. Pastor Rhonda's got cancer. Oh, no. He's got this and he's got you. That's fantastic news. And if we can settle into that and grow into that and receive that, then we're going to be able to walk into his promised land. You know, he's got a great plan for you. It's going to unfold a step at a time. But that plan is based on his great love for you. And even included in that plan sometimes are the obstacles that we pray so hard against. He wants that to be in our life in order to cause us to call upon him to know him, and to let that become a part of the structure of our faith. Through suffering, we grow. Through suffering of the cross, there's a resurrection we call Easter. Through suffering, we come to heaven. I'm not saying, oh, good, let's go get the whips and start scourging ourselves. No, I am not saying that. I'm saying that God sees opportunity for us to grow in relationship with him through everything we face, and as long as we walk in his plan, he is going to do great things for us, through us, and in us. That's the point. We're going to unpack some of Joshua chapter 3 here and 4. Uh, about this walk and about what's going on uh, as we face these de- uh, situations that bring anxiety and stress to our lives. Uh, but before I uh, get right into that, I want to bring a little bit of context uh, into, into the story, because I'm just going to read a tight part of the Scripture. I'm not going to read whole chapters. And most of you know this. Some of you may not, so that's why I'm going to cover it. Uh, this is your moment to take a yawn if you know it. You know, and it's your moment to learn something if you don't. So the Israelites had been in captivity in Egypt for about 400 years. Uh, They eventually went from uh, free people to being slaves and, and forced labor. Then the forced labor got worse and worse. And then God said, now's the time, called Moses. Moses goes into Israel, or into Egypt, excuse me, and... And uh, tells the Pharaoh to release the people. Ten plagues happen. You're all familiar. Watch the Ten Commandments. Watch that movie, okay? And 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 God does these horrible things in Egypt, and protects the Israelites. But eventually, Pharaoh lets the people go. Out they go. They come to the Red Sea. Pharaoh comes after them. Red Sea parts. They go through the Red Sea. There and comes back crashing together on the Egyptian army, and then they're out in the wilderness. And the people say, yay, God. No, instead they say, okay, now we're free. Let's go back to Egypt. And so God brings direction uh, to them. He brings the Ten Commandments, the rest of the Word of God, the, the Old Testament uh, uh, is found in Deuteronomy and, and elsewhere, Leviticus, and, and uh, teaches them. And he provides his spirit, and he leads and guides them. They wander, but he leads and guides. I want you to get that. They felt they were wandering, but he was always leading and guiding uh, for 40 years, and eventually they get up to where they were supposed to be going in the first place, and that's the promised land, Israel. But they are on the east bank of the Jordan River, the Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea. They're on the east bank. Israel or, or the promised land, Canaan, is on the west side. And the, the issue is that, the, that the, uh, there are people over there who do not want you to come in, and there is a flood. And beyond that, there's a new leader. Moses led, for the most part, faithfully during those 40 years. But at one point, he did sin. And God said, well, because of that, you're not going to get to go into the promised land. But he'll bless him. He'll take care of him. But eventually, he dies. And Joshua, whom this book is named after the second command, becomes the leader. Right? So there's your context. He's a new leader. He's like having a brand new pastor, a new guy at work, new supervisor, new gal at work. New leader. And so there he is. And there's, here they are in the west, on, the, on the edge of the, um, the river. But here's the problem. The river's at flood stage. They're not sure if they can trust Joshua. The people on the other side of the river, in Jericho and in Canaan, aren't going, yeah, come on in. They're thinking, we've got to keep these people out. And you've got to get over there and get to them. Not only that, there's about maybe, let's say, 2 million people. Could be a million and a half, could be 3 million. I don't know. It doesn't matter, but there's a lot of people. They didn't uh, have small families in those days. It was uh, not unusual to have 10, 12, 14 kids. So in 40 years, you can imagine what had happened. But on top of that, with all those people, they're not all Trenton. Soldiers marching on for God. Some of them are (laughs) larry, Right? Some of the ladies are out here, and it's not overweight fat. They're nine months and ready to pop, if you know what I mean. There's arthritis, and there's sickness. There's kids, babes in arms, and three-year-olds. Two million of these people. And God has said, I want you over there. I want you to move across. Now, for all of us where uh, there's obstacles or maybe even opposition in our lives to moving into the promised land, it's real. I can name two today that are happening right now pandemic, based on your smiling faces behind the masks, right? and politicians. Both of those bother me, right? And I only mention politicians not to take a side. That's not my point. My, my point is, how many of you trust what you hear anymore? It's hard. You'd like to have the same kind of leadership you're provided in the church, right? Honesty, authenticity, reality. And in today's world, as Trenton preached my message for me again, as he was talking to you about, about uh, the troubles and everything, and Everything seems to be upside down. Read Isaiah. Wicked is called good. Good is called evil. That's where I feel like I'm living today. Besides my health issues, besides my money issues, besides my relationship issues, there is just so much facing me. But again, God's going to do some really special thing because he wants you to move in his plan. He wants you to be successful in his, in his way and in his will. I didn't say he wants you to be rich or even he wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be successful in his will and in his plan. Yeah. He has a thought that he's going to get you to eternity and he's going to, and he's going to get you there yeah. if you just remain faithful. So let me quit expanding and just say this. He's committed to you and your well-being. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I see at least three reasons in this passage I'm about to read to be totally encouraged today, to be totally with it. I want to tell you, these are lessons I wish I'd told you that in all my Years since I came to Christ when I was 18 years old, that I had practiced and lived these. Instead, I'm going to tell you from the University of Larry's hard knocks on himself that I'm finally getting there where I understand how important that these really are true and really are in my life. I'm hopefully I'm sharing with you from experience of man, I wish I'd have practiced this and known it and known it in a in a real full way, not just known it up here, but known it down here, that I walked to this. So let's look at. The first point, which is God will give you direction. God will give you direction. Joshua chapter 3, verse 7 says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God, not the words of Pastor Kevin. Not the words of Larry, not the words of your president, but the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you all those long names. Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gergeshites, Amorites, and Jephthites. There, I said them. If you didn't get that online, that's too bad. I said them, okay. (laughs) Notice in 3.7. And the Lord said to Joshua, and also down there in verse nine, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. I believe God still speaks to me today, to you today, to you today, to everyone in this room. If your heart is open, God still speaks to you. There are some who say, "Well, it's God's word." We look at the Bible, and it's just a book of a book of words. And you might get some inspiration. Out of it. No, I believe. The Bible is inspired of God, and that God planned for you to read it and for you to get something out of it that was actual spiritual nourishment and very wonderful for your soul. That Jesus Christ Himself is the embodiment of that word, and that beyond that, the Holy Spirit is here today, ready to speak to your heart and change your life and make it better for you. God will guide you as you face what you face. Is it a surgery? Is it a broken marriage? Is it just a sense of depression in your life because everything seems so dark? Are you are you addicted? Are you addicted? And, and if you and if right now you're looking at Facebook and not paying attention to this, you're addicted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just can I just be honest with you? you can I be honest with you? you I was preaching once, an 80 year old lady was right there, right there, and she was flipping through Facebook. Long term Christian. I'm sorry. The truth of it is, is this is more important than that. Yeah. Yeah. You hear me out there? <laughs> sorry, sometimes it, it comes on me like, that. must have been anointing. That's what it was, yeah. Now, I, I want to say this too. It's really important. Some of you would say, I don't hear God. You know, most of the time I don't either. So that's when I obey God. My parents would tell me, obedience doesn't occur just because I told you so. Obedience occurs because you're a Tombleson. That's the way it goes. And if you're a Christian, you obey God. And if you don't hear him, that's okay. Follow the word of God. But I've got another point to that. If you don't hear him, he may still be communicating in the silence. He's saying these words. Trust me. Trust me. I can't hear you, God. What he's saying is, I've raised you well enough for you to know. Trust me. Trust me. Just trust me. So when it's silent, God can still be communicating. still. When uh, I was, I planted a church with Jan and my family and some good people from People's Church, People's Church sent me out to Kaiser and said, you need to start a church. It was a good way to get rid of me. <laughs> and, we, and we did, and we were uh, there for um, uh, three or four years in a rented facility, and you know, going was tough. If, you've, if, if you think being in a church is tough, try starting a church. And, but we, we were doing okay, and, and God, was, God was good. And one day I got a phone call and it was, um, it was uh, Pastor Dale Oquist, who I worked with at People's Church on staff. He was now the lead pastor up at Evergreen Christian Community in Olympia. And he said, Larry, I want you on my staff. Hmm. Working with 65 people, doing everything, and going up to a church of 800, which eventually became, while I was there, a church of 1600. Uh, you know, having prestige and a new office and actual secretaries and stuff like that to happen. I'm sorry, assistants, not secretaries. Bad (laughs) word nowadays. But nonetheless, uh, okay, I'll I'll be willing to listen. So I drove up to Olympia, I interviewed, and uh, it was exciting, big campus, uh, all this wonderful stuff. Here we are in a a facility doing church in a box, which means every Sunday we had to unload the trailer, set it all up, and then we were under direct orders from the, the owners. And get it out as soon as you're done. Made it hard to have altar calls, you know. So anyway, we, I was on my way back. And the Lord spoke to me. I remember him. I can tell you on the freeway where I was. At least I could show you. And it, and it was, Larry, you're not going here. But Lord, no, it's not time. And so I called Dale and I said, I'm... I can't do it. God said, no, it's not the right time. And I told Jan, I said, he'll never call me back because I could hear it in his voice. Oh, okay, click. He wasn't rude, but it, you know what I mean. Four years later, we had bought property. We had remodeled a house into a little 70-seat chapel, and we had uh, getting ready to, to dedicate it and all that stuff. And the day I got the permit for the occupancy, we could actually use this property that we worked on for a year to get together. The phone rang, and it was Dale. And he says, "I still want you to come." This was year, some years later, and before I could answer him, the word "yes" floated all through my mind, and all through me. And it was the voice of the Lord. Now, from the time before to up to then, I hadn't heard a word about that, and I hadn't coveted it or anything. But God will speak to your heart. When he's made a calling, he will talk to you. He will speak to you. He will do it. Now, secondly, God will be with you. So when people, this is verse 14. So when people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them, carrying the Ark of went ahead of them. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. And now down to verse, uh, or chapter 4, verse 11. And as soon as all of them had crossed, the Ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side as the people watched. The Ark was this chest or built like a box, a cabinet, say. And it contained the Ten Commandments. It was considered holy and sacred. It was inside the Holy of Holies in the sanctuary or in the temple. But also on top of it was was called the mercy seat, which is where the presence of God was represented and existed even in the temple. That's where the presence spoke to people and was and it's the mercy seat because it's also the fancy word propitiation that's where we are forgiven of our sins that's where a holy god could be we could be near him because he he had covered our sins as we now believe through the cross right so this is the presence of god and i want you to notice according to 3:14 this presence of god where, who went in the water first the people or the presence all right. And then down, I think, in verse 17, yeah. Who stayed in the danger zone while the people passed by? The presence. Who came up behind? The presence. Who, had, who was the rear guard? The presence. God has gone before you all of your life. Matter of fact, before you were conceived, God was, knew all about you. Psalm 139. God knows right now, whatever you're facing, whatever the problem is, whatever the issue is, whatever the difficulty in your life, God is in it right now, standing in the danger zone just for you to protect you and to carry you and to make sure you get through. And when you get through, He will come up behind you, cleaning up anything he needs to clean up and working on. And so whatever's in your past, God's back there too. Some of you have gone to see the counselor, like I haven't said, it's my parents' fault. Well, God's back there too. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. There's freedom and release in that. Yeah. God's back there too. So what we see is God's presence going first, staying put, and, mo- and moving on until the salvation of the Lord was complete. Earlier in Joshua, in chapter 1, he tells him, be of good courage, right? Mm-hmm. right. But one of the reasons he says that is this. He says before that, so I will be with you. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Folks, and I mean this sincerely, right now, God is with you. He's not in the room. He is in you, and he is with you. You think you've got Anne-Marie sitting next to you. Jesus is closer than that. Right? God is with you right now. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter if it's critical, God is with you. And he's been there ahead of you. He's the one who parted the waters. He's the one who walked through. I want you to take a moment right now and just give thanks. Would you do that? Just think about God being with you right now. His arms are around you. Right? He's not just with you in, in, in a, in, on a bloody cross. He's with you out of the grave. He's with you. He's ahead of you. He's behind you. Just give some thanks in your heart. Just give some thanks. You don't have to be verbal, but thank God that he's present. I'm glad that we gather together. And, and, and please, if you need to be home, I get it. But I'd much rather be with all these folks worshiping God and just sensing, because when God is with Chuck and Chuck is showing it, I get something out of it. And if I show it, maybe you get something out of it. You know what I mean? There, there's a gift there. There's a blessing there. I want you to know that he can show up when you're not expecting it altogether, his presence. When we were in Israel for the first time, I was in Israel for the first time in 2005, a friend of ours from the church named Jeffrey Hollingberry went with us. Jeffrey was a businessman, a a great physical therapist, wonderful physical, worked with athletes of all sorts, that sort of thing up in the the Olympia area. And he... uh, he was, he was a believer, but he was a believer still finding God, if I can put it that way. I mean, he's not, like, really grounded. He's just kind of, he discovered our church, was very excited about it, and he, was, he, was, he found out he could go to Israel and be baptized in the River Jordan. So there was his reason for going. He wanted to find God, and he wanted to go. Well, we went to the, to the Garden of Gethsemane, where the olive trees are from the same rootstock that was there when Jesus when Jesus walked in, those, in that garden. The, the trees die away. But the roots give up to a new sprout. And, and so these are. The, and it's magnificent to be there. And we have a simple devotion. Uh, my friend led it. And, uh, and then. Uh, not him. But another friend led it. And, and we had communion. In the Garden of Eden. It was, it was awesome. All of a sudden the presence of God settled on us. You could just sense it. And people began to get up and walk around the garden. You could see them praying. You could see them leaning up against the trees. You could see them kneeling. You could see them moving. And Jeffrey's like, this is something. And the next thing you know, no coaching, no preaching, no teaching, no anybody yelling, hang in there or let go. Neither one of those things happening. He's speaking in tongues. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the Lord just filled And he's been serving God like crazy ever since. Now, we're a bunch of tired tourists on a hot day in Israel, sitting in this garden, trying to sense Jesus, but not knowing that his presence was right there until, boom, he was. And I want to tell you right now, God's ready to boom himself right into your life. He's with you. He is with you. He is with you. Thirdly, watching my time here. Thirdly, God will demonstrate his power in his timing. In verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zerathon while the water flowing down to the Sea of Ereba, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. I'm glad that God still moves today. We see his hand at work throughout the Bible, but he isn't done. Some, I've, I actually talked to the person. who so said, oh, God doesn't do miracles anymore. So really? Really? I think me getting saved was a miracle. I think all of us that walk in the Lord are walking miracles. You know. And I have seen people healed. I've seen people walk without being healed, but walk under the great grace of God. I've seen people who have uh, had financial miracles. And I have seen people who are desperate for money most of their lives, but are the most faithful, sweetest people and will tithe and give to God on every call, even if it's only a dime. But I know that God still does great work in our hearts and our lives. Here are maybe two million people who need to cross the river, but that's not enough to stop God from making this possible. Now, You've all seen the Sunday school lessons, haven't you? There's the priests maybe and Joshua, and there's maybe people for oppressed, and there's, there's people behind them, right? And they're walking through, and there's a wall of water, and they're walking into Jordan. Well, according to my infallible calculations, and I could put somebody on the moon if NASA would help me, <laughs> but, but I'm telling you right now, if you have two million people, according to what I figured out, that line would be where is it? 474 miles long. Walking at three miles an hour, they would be at least six and a half days without taking one break. You don't get to go to sleep. You don't get to sit down. You got to walk. It would take that long to get the people across. The, the, this really blows your mind. doesn't it? This isn't working like Sunday school said. But did you hear what the scripture said as far as the dom? Well, if you take a map and do some calculations and, and figure things out, I'm sorry for you young people. If you take, a, if you take your map on your phone and, and, and use your fingers a lot, right? You will find out that a dom was 16 miles away and it was still a few miles even to, down to the south to the Dead Sea. So let's say 20 miles. God rolled back that water for 20 miles. And if you took the people and spread them out a 1,000 across, they'd be less than a a couple miles deep. And in less than 45 minutes, they could have all walked across. Now, if you're over there in Jericho, what do you think of 2 million people coming across in less than an hour? No bridge, no pontoons, just some soldiers coming first and everybody else coming behind. And then they left their God in the middle of the river. What kind of crazy idea is that? And brought him out as the rear guard. Let me tell you something. I don't know what you're facing, but I know that God's got enough power to get you through it. And I want want to be real clear here. Some people here are, are called, God is going to call you into a miraculous healing. And some people here are going to struggle with health all of their lives. And there isn't good. I'm a type 2 diabetic. I'm going on 21 years now. And I've asked God every year to heal me, sometimes every day of the week. And I'm still a type 2 diabetic. That doesn't mean I don't believe Him or that He hasn't given me the power to face my daily walk with Him and where He wants me to go all the time. So I don't want to mislead you and think everybody gets healed. Everybody gets money. Everybody gets... You see, God's got a plan for you and you and you. And he's in it. He's in it. And he's in it with you. And he has the power to sustain you, to give you a miracle or not give you the miracle, but to give you the miracle of inner strength in the weakness. To provide a way. I have this saying i like to say is, how many of you here are alive? Oh, good. Good. You know what? You're a survivor. I don't care if you're 15 years old or 89 years old. If you're still here, God has been with you all of that time and kept you until now. And he will keep doing so. Now, I just want to say this. God's power has not been corked up because of a pandemic or our dark spiritual atmosphere. What are 16 miles of river to him? What is cancer to him? What is debt to him? He made the water in the river. He made the river bed. He made the people at the side of the river. He, saw, he put the word of God there. He brought his presence. What is, a, what is an obstacle to him is not nothing. It's just absolutely nothing. I want you to be encouraged today. He's still at work. He's still doing great things and wants to do great things on your behalf. There is one little limit I want to put in here. Just one little limit. If God has called you to the other side, that's where you're going to get. If God has called you to healing, that's where it's going to get. If God has called you to to walk through a very difficult situation, he's going to sustain you through it. It's God's calling that's important. Do you think the river would have opened up if the Israelites did not belong on the other side? So it's God's call is really important here, but there is no limit to what he can do. If there was a limit, Jesus wouldn't have walked this earth, because as I read the Gospels, he did things that would just floor you. And there was no limitation to his power whatsoever, even to give himself up in death. So I have three things for you to do, just application stuff. First practice faith believe God and what he says Hebrews 11 1, right the classic definition from Scripture now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see what is your Jordan is in that question what is what is your difficulty what is it you're facing what is the problem in your heart in life But you know what there's a better question there's a better question. Let me let me make sure I get it right. Who promised you the land? Who promised you the land? And is that promise good? Who promised you the land? And if it's God, He cannot fail. Otherwise, He's not God. Why why talk about God and then shortchange Him? He can do this. He he. He can do this for you. Secondly, don't carry the burden alone. The priest carried the ark together. The people moved together to cross the Jordan. God created the church to carry one another's burdens. I'm here for you, Phil. I'm here for Pastor. When he called me and said, uh, he called me actually on Wednesday and said, can you preach the following Sunday? I said, sure, 10 days to prepare. Then he called me on Thursday and said, "Uh, we need you this Sunday. I said, sure, two days to prepare. But you know why I said yes? didn't say, oh, no, no, no. Because I believe God is able to work through me. He's able to work through you. He's able to work through Pastor Kevin's absence. He's able to do so. And I'm here to support the people and the pastor of this church. I'm not here to sit on that pew and go, feed me. Yeah, that's good, that's good. That's good. You know? I'm here to be what God needs me to be for you and for, for Pastor. That's what I'm here for. So I said, sure. <laughs> Thirdly, fear can be defeated. It's okay to be afraid. I don't care if you're afraid, but don't wallow in your fear. Admit your fear, confess your fear. Say, I'm afraid. Chuck asked me how to pray for him. I said, there's some things I'm afraid of. I need you today. Pray for me, Chuck, and I thank you for doing that. Don't be left standing on the wrong side of the river when the waters return because you are afraid. Instead, have faith in the God who is love, big love. He's Big Love, that's my name for him. When I used to teach the preschool kids, it was Big Love. That's his name, Big Love. Bigger than you'll ever, ever know. Big Love. God's plan for you, comes out of Big Love. Now here's a statement I want you to really hear. I want you to really know. Rivers have to part in your heart before they part in reality. Rivers have to part in here before they part in reality. If you're gonna stand on that east bank and say, I'm gonna back up, you first. You first, Jan. You'll be there a long time. But if you're gonna move forward, move forward in here. Let that happen. Oh, come on, there we go. I want you to remember the words of Jesus as I close. And I'm closing. Luke 18, 27. What is impossible with man is possible with God. And he said again in Matthew. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I will tell you this. Let God be true and everyone else a liar. Tell Satan he's a liar, but believe God. His love is vast. From that love he speaks to you. From it he... He is present in your yesterday, your today, and your tomorrow. And from that love, he acts with great power to deliver you and sustain you. And in these these days, in these days when we can't see the future, and we're all facing struggles, I want to tell you this. His activity on your behalf is more sure than the sun coming up tomorrow. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name I pray. Blessing on these people. Help them to know you, help them to be filled with you. Help them, Lord, to understand that you you will speak to their heart when they need to hear you. Lord, you will be with them, ahead of them, behind them, and with them. And you will act on their behalf in your timing. God, you are all there is to love. There is nothing more in life important than loving you. And we ask your help in that. Fill us with your spirit. Let us walk close to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Put your hands together. Jesus, we just worship you, God, today. We thank you, God, and today we declare in faith, God, that you're still working, God, you're still moving, God, and that you are faithful, and we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Larry, thank you for that. I may end up calling you on Thursday more often, so just always have one in the back. It might be Sunday morning, too. Just kidding. You did phenomenal, and I needed to hear that. I'm excited for my parents to hear it, too. I know that that will mean a lot. How many people felt like that was something you needed to hear today? Um, sometimes when you make a call like that, it takes a lot of like a humility on my part to say I'm bailing, essentially, for Sunday. And I feel like God was just like, you had to do that because that was the word that needed to be preached. So thanks for doing that. So. Anyway, church, I want to pray for you one more time. Although we've prayed a lot today and I want to just dismiss you, but let me just pray a word over you. God, I just thank you for each one of these people. God, I pray that as they go out today, God, their hearts would be lifted. God, they would feel courage, God, and strength. God, they would remember the story, God, today that is so applicable, God, in so many areas of life. God, they would remember your presence is going before them. It's stuck with them in the middle. God, it's following them up. God, it's going to continue to go before them. God, till they reach you in heaven. God, and I just thank you. the power of your word god the power of anointing god that spoke through a man today god that, that declared faith god when so many needed it god and we just thank you for that in jesus name amen church we love you we'll see you in the weeks to come
0: here at relevant life church it's our mission to see people connect with god relate to one another and reach our world this single statement drives everything we do as a church our hope is that today you were encouraged in this Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.